Hello and welcome to the Probably Bad Podcast, a podcast which is definitely bad. I'm Pencil. Paper. Today's Probably Bad RPG idea is... Create a cosmic level enemy whose attack damages the player, not just on a surface level, but on all layers of reality. If it successfully hits a character, just punch that character's player in the face, IRL. This could go wrong so quickly, and I love it. Like... Well, because I'm the one who chose this idea, and obviously I'm not proposing just beating the shit out of your players. Oh no, that's least... only for physical attacks. Yeah, but like I do, I do like the idea of like it in some way damages the player IRL. Like I can't think of a way to do this which isn't just an excuse to assault your player in some manner, or isn't just lop. But well, the thing is, there are ways to help people. That aren't punching them. Have you con- considered rigging up some sort of device where every time their character takes damage, your player just becomes a little more empty inside? <laughs> just this show them pictures of, of sad puppies. Uh, yeah, like you could, like every time you get injured by a character, every time you get injured by the monster, you have to listen to more of my amateur poetry. I feel like you could possibly do this into kind of, I know, every time you get hit by the monster, like, you cross out a thing from your character sheet, you can't use that anymore or something. Those kind of, maybe slightly less... That's a different way of doing damage, though, I think. Perhaps. Okay, so we're back to decking people. If your character dies, you have to do the cinnamon challenge? Hmm. So this is now just a YouTube prank channel. Like, if a character dies, you have to go outside and say obnoxious things to people while being filmed. I'm wondering if you could do it for, you know, other consequences that characters can have. To sort of, like, you know, there's there's certain things that can drain a character's sort of maximum hit points. Yeah. So it's like... Well, I'm afraid your character has lost half of their maximum HP, so I'm going to break both of your legs. <laughs> Every time you're hit with like a whole person spell, you just have to go into the GM's basement. You can't come out until it wears off. Like, Every time I feel you take mod- damage, you have to put on a jumper, try and finish <laughs> the battle before you die of heat stroke. There's, there's just, like, a train heading towards five people, and every time you take damage, it moves closer. I really thought you were going to turn that into some weird trolley problem. It is a trolley problem. Like, do you do you keep playing this terrible D&D game where you have just break your legs in order to save five people? I mean, I am not the philosophy expert. But I feel like that misses the point of the trolley problem. I mean, granted, but I feel we've missed the point of a good RPG session already. Like, this is just turning into a Saw movie. The dice are, like, sewn like inside... Saw movies. The dice are sewn inside, some... sewn inside someone at the start of the game, and to get the dice, you have to cut them out. I feel like that's a lot darker. Like, it seems a logical progression. 
The dice are scattered in connected to a series of bombs around the city, and when you roll... But anyway, back to better consequences for failure. So it's not related, but it's an idea that you just put in my head. Hmm. At the start of the game, you play Hungry Hungry Hippos. The number of that is not related. The number of marbles you get is the amount of dice rolls you're allowed to use that session. <laughs> I like that, actually. It's just... Like, it's completely... It has unre- nothing to do with anything. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just... You're just sitting there frantically playing Hungry Hippos. Or, like... It's like Twister, and once you fall over, your character dies. And every time you take, every time you take damage, the player jabs you with a stick. No, the GM jabs you with a stick. No, I like the player. Every time you take damage, everyone else <laughs> gets to poke you. Yeah. It's just... I feel it might be easier just to play Twister. But the point is, now, there's, now you're GM D&D at the same time. And you're being poked constantly. I feel like in order to be fair, though, this does have to be reversed. Like, if you're fight, if you're in a boss battle and you hit the boss, you should get to like flick the DM's nose or something. Mm. Like, so I feel like so again. I chose the idea, and I'm starting to regret it because this is now just getting progressively closer and closer to just. Combat is done by just fist fighting the GMIR. Like you say, like yeah, I, I'm gonna fight. I'm gonna fight your. Like, okay, fine. Then just go go to the cage you've installed in the game room and beat the shit out of each other. And to the octagon. <laughs> All the other players stand around shouting, "Octagon, octagon!" <laughs> uh, as the two of you just wail on each other. Um. Like, players can give, like, inspiration by throwing rocks at the GM as the GM fights the player to distract them. Um... Oh, they've got to be dice. Yeah, they throw dice at the GM as to distract them. Um, as you get higher level, like, you get to bring weapons in the batch with you to fight the GM. So it starts off with, like, I don't know, at level one you have a feather duster. Um, and then at level 20, you just have a shotgun. Um, I'm really curious. What do you have at level 10? What is the exact midpoint <laughs> between a feather duster and a shotgun? A shotgun that fires feather dusters. Um, I guess, it's, I guess, like, I guess a sword. Uh, and yeah, as, as like the higher the challenge rating, the better weapons the GM has as well. Well, obviously. Yeah. So like um, a Tarasque is just an AK. Yeah. It's goblins. They have like I don't know a goblin. Um, the goblin weapon is a goblin. <laughs> yeah, you just swing it by the legs. Um, <laughs> and so this this you goes off. Access a goblin, a three-year-old painted. <laughs> We'll do just fine. I feel like I feel like we've got a bit off brand. Like this is how you make your game good is you paint a three year old green, bring them into a cage and swing them at your player's face. I would argue as the probably bad podcast, this is probably the most <laughs> on brand we've been for a while. 
Yeah, I, I, uh, I, I haven't slept in quite some time, and paper has a migraine, so that's why this episode is going the way it is. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, and and like you, yeah, like trouble, like because it's like there's a whole problem in D and D, like even powerful enemies are often difficult to fight because everyone would just gang up on them. But this time it's represented properly in the rules because all of you could just gang up on your GM. It's perfect. Yeah. And like, does this apply to other forms of conflict? Like, if you're trying to seduce uh, an NPC, do you have do you and your GM have to go to the sexy octagon? The sexy octagon. Like, yeah, do you have to seduce your GM? Yes. And the higher charisma, I don't know, the skimpier clothes you get to wear when you're talking to your GM. Um, if you're at 20 charisma, you get to just get muted. Um, and the same for all other kinds of conflict. Like, if you're trying to sneak... Yeah, if, if, if you're haggling, you and your DM have to both go to a car boot sale and try and get the best deal. At the car boot octagon. That would be a weird-shaped car, and I'm into it. You've imprisoned a man and his car in the car boot octagon and for use as a car boot sale. What I'm saying is you create, like, a series of octagons for every possible challenge. Yeah. Mm. I mean, we all need something to do during the now times. To prepare for lockdown finally lifting, dig a series of oxygons and fill them with deadly traps to put your friends in when you can meet them face to face again. If they don't wear a mask, push them in. Hmm. Yeah, if you don't wear a mask, your character takes uh, a bunch of damage, and this is represented by the other players like pinning you down, putting a mask on your face, and also kicking you. Wear a mask, guys. Speaking of communal efforts, we have a sponsor for the first time ever, and it's a Kickstarter project. Um, the Deck of Rumors by Unlimited Realms, which is five decks of cards of sort of various events that could be happening or gossip and things like that to sort yeah. of serve as jumping off points for plot in your games. Yeah, it's sort of a conceit of posters or messages you could find around town saying things like, oh, I need help teaching my child algebra, or, or more exciting ones than that. But that's just all that sprang to mind. Yeah, they kind of run the gamut from a jam shop is opening to, oh God, oh God, we're all going to die of plague. Yeah, it is a very good spectrum of, like, tone and scale. And the cards are really well made as well. Like, the, the graphics quality is beautiful. Mm. So if that is something that appeals to you, uh, follow the link in the episode description. And there should be an and there, but that's it. Follow the link and yeah. look at the cards and give give them money for the good cards. Mm. If you want to join us in like the 
conversation about cards octagon. I don't I don't know where that sentence went. Can, it's so tiny. Can we just move on to questions? <laughs> questions. Hi, I'm Hazel and I make a podcast with Liz called Bread and Thread, which you might enjoy if you are a fan of food or clothes or other interesting parts of domestic history. We find out interesting facts about things like regional foods, ancient breeds of sheep, um, pretty much anything domestic history. So if you'd like to know why it's illegal to import a sheep into Iceland, and what was presented by Queen Victoria to Harriet Tubman, then you might want to check out Bread and Thread. Find us at Bread and Thread on Twitter, or find us everywhere podcasts exist. <laughs> so our first question is anonymous. Uh, Stranger Things and the games and stuff, Stuff that came after that made the 80s aesthetic big but which aesthetic would you bring back see this is hard for me because i have no favorite aesthetic they're all glorious circus rpg is that all the classic aesthetic yeah circus used to be a thing like, I mean, only in the sense that a lot of things technically used to be a thing right now. Like, circuses aren't extinct. <laughs> oh yeah, we can bring back the aesthetic of actually getting to interact with people. That's the one I would bring back. But, like, what I would actually like to see again, and this is like the sort of, because you don't see a lot of, like, Bronze Agey style games. It's usually like more recent or medieval, mm-hmm. or maybe like, but like a sort of early city state kind of games. I feel that would be an interesting like setting for an RPG. Presumably, the big bad is Inasir. Yes, you need to like finally stop him stealing all the copper. No scamming people into buying copper. Maybe that's part of the scam. Um, Maybe he steals it and then sells it on. Mm. You don't know his life. <laughs> that is true. He has been dead for many thousands of years. I do not know his life. But yeah, just but yeah, like that kind of like early technology, like ev- everything sort of changing between agriculture, uh, hunter-gathering and agriculture sort of thing. I feel there would definitely be some interesting stories there. Can I be an awful pedant and say high medieval slash early modern but actually instead of how it tends to be in fantasy? Like, (laughs) I want ridiculously brightly coloured clothes, I want men in high heels, I want jewellery everywhere, I want just stupid amounts of hair. The aesthetic I want to bring back is actual respect for how history was. Yeah, I think... Failing that, yeah, high fantasy flappers would be very fun. They would be. Yeah, high fan... Yeah. High fantasy 20s. Problem is, like, a lot of the media I consume has the aesthetics I like. I don't know what aesthetics are neglected right now. 
That's why I just went for circuses. Like, you've got fire eaters and fire eaters as the PCs, clowns as the villain, but the whole base takes the big top. It's certainly an idea. Okay, I, so, Fiona I, um, wants to know what the weirdest homebrew we've seen is. I did see um, someone homebrewed stats for um, this mythological creature called the Bonacon. Mm. Which is, I mean, its main defining feature as a creature is sort of whipping its caustic feces around. It's kind of a a bull, a oh, weird fuck, bull. I think I've seen that one. Yeah. That sets things on fire. Sounds like a load of bullcrap to me, but I'm... And it's just... It's such an obscure creature to go, yes, I want this in my game. But also, I also went, yes, I want it in my game and set out to see if anyone had homebrewed it. So I'm going with the Bonacon. Yeah. I feel like it's it's an enemy that could surprise players in that they think it's a cow and then it shits fire on them. Like the weirdest like the strangest homebrew I've seen. Um is so it was it was uh, a reality warping class who can reshape reality. Uh at level one, what you can specifically do is reshape the world from a world where the enemy in front of you doesn't have a sword wound to a world where the enemy in front of you does have a sword wound. Um, and you can do that at touch range by making an attack roll. And then it's essentially to see how long it takes you to realize it's just a fighter that's ridiculously overfluffed. And it's just, aha, now you can make it so that two enemies in front of you spontaneously have sword wounds. That is so wild. I'm in love with it. I'm gonna find find the um find the actual link because it was it was very good. It's just ah oh, reality reshapes so injury so injuries on you are like ir- are like altered to be more less severe because you now have more armor. Um, and it's just every single fighter. Um, I'm gonna see if I can find it. But yeah, it's every single um, fighter fighter feature. But it's all fluffed as you reshaping reality itself. That is beautiful. But yes. I don't, like, I haven't found many, like, kink homebrews and I always assumed there would be more I can't say I've ever gone looking for them like well, I've never I've read the book of erotic fantasy I mean who hasn't and incorporated some of it into my 5e stuff all I remember of it is that um, 
it has the thing that makes you ejaculate spiders. I mean, that is a pretty that... weird homebrew just on its own. <laughs> yeah, like, the, like, is it homebrew if it's in a, like, official, like, thingamajig? That's fair. Although some people have probably taken it and made it into a homebrew for 5e because that's for mm. a different edition so i th i feel like it gets honorary mention yeah honorable mention even but yeah like i, I look at homebrew and yeah there's surprisingly little stuff that makes you think that's just someone's kink maybe the kinks are just too obscure for you to realize that they're kinks yeah maybe all of this is someone's kink maybe and like is someone's persona. Like, oh yeah, I, I'm, I'm, you know, a cool wolf or like a sexy cat. I, I'm a cow that shits everywhere and burns the building down. I guess it's important to represent who you are. I do just want to clarify, because we probably do have some furry listeners, I do not believe yeah. that furry is entirely a kink thing. It was just a thought that appeared in my brain. Yeah, like, yeah, people are excessively mean to furries. Yeah. And furries should be allowed to wear fursuits. We're just having that's a good the, time. Yeah, uh, that's the moral of this episode, in case you were wondering. Um, furries should be allowed to wear fursuits and beat up your GM. Um, we do have one more question, if we have time. I think so. Um, archetypal Archivist. Probably one of my favourite names of a question asker. Um, it says, what are your top five least favourite tropes and story pieces that pop in a lot of D&D games? My number one is definitely Horny Bards. Hmm. Like, so many people see the word charismatic and go, ah, they flirt with everything. Yeah, like, it's okay as, like, a one-off concept, but when it happens just every time a like when it's at the point that it's a meme. Yeah. Like, my least favourite... I know, it's a bit more specific than the horny bars, but when it's, like... Because in a lot of, a lot of like, obviously, like the villain shows are like, haha, I was behind everything all along. Which works reasonably well for, like, you know, media where you're reading someone else's adventures. But I don't know, it just seems a bit antique. It just seems a bit like, I don't know, when it's like, this is all the stuff your players done, and haha, it's actually all been part of evil villain scheme all along. Yeah, I get that. Like, there's mm. there's a fun to be had slowly realizing that yeah rather than just being told it at the end is is not satisfying yeah yeah i also don't like yeah i don't like sort of this bit should probably be edited out as i remember what words are but yeah like there's also like i'm not a huge fan of the Monster that seems to do nothing but sit in a room on a pile of treasure waiting to be stabbed. 
Like, I'm not a huge fan of dungeon crawls in general. They just... There's only so many times you can stab dragon. Actually, fuck, I don't like combat in D&D, and that's my controversial opinion. I get what you mean about dungeons, though. Like, so many of them, Mm. they don't really... Like, why would someone build this? Yeah, they don't seem like real places. Like, there's no... They're not, they're not like... It feels like the Dungeons & Dragons movie, where they're like, okay, you want the treasure, we're going to push you into here now. Yeah. Because, yeah, like, there's no... Yeah, there's no indication it's, like, a place that's inhabited or a place with an ecosystem. You can just, like... Because I'm not expecting you to sit down like, hey, make me a food web. But, like, just what does the manticore eat? Because it's just there in a stone room. And also, like, yeah, what was this space? Because mm. if you've got a space that's just got, like, it's a load of caves and there's a no-thick in the middle, like, why? How, how mm. did it get there? Why, why is this? Explain. I want a campaign that's just you all play a bunch of monsters who are trying to escape this underground maze you inexplicably live in. That would be fun. So there you go. That, that's my reasoning for why I hate half the premise of Dungeons & Dragons. Join us next time for me ranting about why dragons suck. Um, so that's, that's three. <laughs> uh, for number four, can we go with... I have no connections. I'm a a loner who wanders the land. Yeah. Like, number one, that's just going to become a murder hobo. Yeah. Unless you have a very, very good reason to not have those Mm. connections. But you're still going to have some sort of connection, even if it's to a place rather than a person. Yeah, like, sort of, yeah, even if you could pull off a character that has you know no connections to anything it's just there's no real reason for them to be on the adventure well yeah because if you actually had felt no connection to anything or anywhere or anyone apart from the fact your character clearly has quite severe depression what Mm. reason would you have for going on an adventure yeah it's just yeah it's it's because i've had things where i've had to gm characters like that it is fundamentally very hard to motivate a character whose motivation is I don't want to do any of this and I don't care about anything around. Because it's not a motivation. It's an anti-motivation. Yeah, like their motivation is that they don't have any motivations. Put like that character way... in therapy and make another more interesting character. Yeah. Okay, so we have... One more. Um, yeah, I probably shouldn't just say the entire combat system. Um, partly because it's not a trope. I, I get what you mean. Like, there are definite issues with... But, I mean, there's issues with any combat system is the thing, I think. Because there's no way you can have it actually be realistic while also being codified. Yeah, which is why I feel the all, all RPGs should be um, pacifistic. That's a bold stance. <laughs> combat should not be an RPG. Like, I don't know, I feel like RPG combat needs to be a lot more abstract. 
But that isn't the question we're asking. So, what? I'm you actually what? I need to think of a fifth one. Actually, the fifth one I don't like is like is like kind of the fact that all elves and dwarves and so forth are essentially identical. Like, I don't like with a lot of fantasy worlds where it's like, ah, here's the dwarves, and you already know everything about dwarves. Like, I also don't like this, like, I don't like the kind of how out of the box a lot of fantasy settings are. Mm. And how interchangeable lots of them are. Like, I feel like, because obviously, you know, there's some reasons not like our, our dwarves live in the sky and the birds but like I know I feel like you need to give at least one interesting thing about them give them like, at least like they all have wacky hats or something yeah I do think the sort of I mean it's kind, it's kind of Dragon Age Origins of all things mm. explains it best it's like you can't sum up an entire an entire species mm. in a sentence yeah I can't remember the exact phrase but also mm. it's probably setting specific but there's just you can't just be like well the dwarves live underground and the elves live in the trees and that is yeah. their traits yeah Older dwarves are miners, and they swear, and they drink, and they're gruff, and that is the dwarves. It's it's uninteresting, and it's lazy. Yeah. Okay, I think there definitely needs to be more D&D fantasy settings that aren't, you know, medieval England, but there's an elf. I mean, just fantasy settings generally. Like, it's not just D&D. Yeah. But yeah, like, fantasy... I, know, I don't like how... I don't like how standardised fantasy settings become. But and if anyone has... Like, very, very good ones. And I've read yeah. some very, very good ones. But I've also read some that are very clearly going, well, Tolkien is the canon. Hmm. If every species doesn't act doesn't act exactly like it does in Lord of the Rings, then it's not high fantasy. And those are books that I put down and walk away. Yeah. So that was so yeah, we, we got to complain about things. Yeah, I think this episode's actually gonna be a little bit long. Longer than usual because of all the complaining. But I hope we have answered your question. <laughs> Like, if we, like, I hope we've at least answered a question, whether or not it was one anyone asked. But yes, thank you for listening to our podcast. Um, yes. if, if you enjoyed it, you can go to patreon.com slash probablybadrpgideas and get our own weird homebrews and also some bonus mm -hmm. episodes. Which I'm very excited for the next bonus episode. We're going to play a game like a, a one-page RPG that I, I have come up with called Night at the Ninja Museum so ch chuck us some money if you want to hear that 
if you have a question, you can send it to us on Tumblr or email probablybadpodcast at gmail.com. And remember, remember to have a probably, probably bad, bad day. day.